Today is what we know as Palm Sunday. And I want to speak to you on the subject beyond the imaginable. We serve a God who is not just meets expectations, but he surpasses them. More than 2,000 years ago, we understand and we celebrate, we commemorate that God's plan of redemption altered the world forever as we know it. The power of sin and the power of death was broken through the crucifixion, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On that first Easter, more than 2,000 years ago, we, we celebrate the fact that death was defeated and that true life, that true spiritual life, God-giving life triumphed. So our journey this morning for the next little while includes coming alive to the reality of Jesus' life, his sacrifice, and his power. As I've mentioned, today is what is known as Palm Sunday. So we start by coming alive to Jesus' life, which was above and beyond human understanding. And I want to tell you this morning that the life that Jesus offers you and me is a life that is beyond any understanding. And I want to tell you that it's enough reason for you and I to celebrate today. It is a reason for us to respond to God's open arms, to his invitation that, that draws us near, that draws us close to him. So the events of Palm Sunday, often referred to as Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, are recorded in all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It emphasizes the importance of it. It marked the beginning of the final week of Jesus' life here on earth. It began his journey to what we know as the cross. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus' journey began long before Palm Sunday. And the journey began before he started his public ministry. It, it began even before Jesus was born here on earth in that Bethlehem manger. No, Jesus' purpose was part of a much bigger plan that was established before the, the creation that we understand. It went far above and beyond what the people there that original Palm Sunday could comprehend and could understand with their human minds. You see, Jesus' journey wasn't just about the immediate circumstances. No, it would impact eternity. It would impact us here today. And his journey was not just about the earthly events that were swirling in those dusty streets of Jerusalem on that one day. The true significance that we have grown to understand is that in the spiritual realm, it was much greater than what it was in the physical realm. And while today we celebrate Jesus entering into Jerusalem, his journey, can I tell you, was not just about, was not about human approval. And his journey was not about human cooperation. It was one of obedience to the Father and the fulfillment of his plan for redeeming the world. So as we look at the events that transpired on that one day in Jerusalem, I want to share with you just three takeaways 
that we're able to look at and help us remember the lessons of Palm Sunday. The first is a donkey. The second, a palm branch. And the third, the rocks. Now when you hear those, they're all pretty common items. They're items that you are familiar with, but they remind us of the uncommon journey that Jesus took on that day. They represent the ways that he went above and beyond our understanding or our abilities in order that we may come alive in him. When I look at a donkey, you can think of many things, but you can think of the reality that they're stubborn. That's oftentimes what they're known for. And when we think of Jesus making a triumphant entry into Jerusalem on that day, it's a logical question to ask, why a donkey? It's probably not what you would have chosen. It's probably not what I would have chosen. So at first glance, it may seem that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was, was just a practical matter. Maybe he was tired of walking. Maybe he was tired of that day. And, and the donkey was the first thing that was available nearby. Not a horse. Maybe all the camels were unavailable at the rent-a-beast. Just a donkey. But no. The true meaning of Jesus riding in this manner was so much more than what just meets the human eye. It went above and beyond the immediate. And it went above and beyond the practical. Even in this detail, this lowly animal was part of God's bigger plan. Way back, the prophet Zechariah said in chapter 9 and verse 9 that there was a prophecy. This prophecy would include the Messiah riding in on a young donkey. And Matthew quoted the prophet when he wrote about Palm Sunday in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 7. He said, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This is incredible to know that Jesus knows all details. He knew there was going to be a donkey tied there. He knew. He said, if someone asks you, just tell them the Lord needs them. He knows. So when we look at this in the grand scheme of things, we understand that there are some, some details or, or there's, some, there's some takeaways for us that, that if he knows, can I tell you that he knows what's going on in your life today? Can I tell you that he knows what's keeping you up at night? Can I tell you that he knows uh, what, the cause of your tears? He knows the cause of your heartache. Can I tell you that he sees you? And he knows. And then this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you. Quoting Zechariah, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Jesus specifically wanted and asked for a donkey. What might seem to us as a plan B, a, a practical solution to an immediate need that there's nothing else available was actually thousands of years in, in fulfillment of this promise. The top Roman soldiers, it's, it's important to note that they rode on majestic horses that signified power and position and strength and authority, but that donkey not so much. What, but what that donkey does represent is humility. The ironic twist of this story is that by riding on this donkey, Jesus entered proclaiming himself to be the Messiah, the King, the dedicated Jews that had gathered in Jerusalem at that time because they were celebrating the Passover which was instituted in the book of Exodus. So this simple act, there was a, a big crowd, this simple act demonstrated a connection to the past by fulfilling the prophecy. And it also pointed to Jesus, our Lord, as the future king, not an earthly king as some had imagined, but the true king who would reign forever. In God's story of love, forgiveness, grace, and redemption, the Messiah whom the Jews had been waiting for, saying, come Messiah, come Messiah. For throughout centuries, he came riding on a donkey. They, they, they maybe didn't understand it. Can I tell you that he is a God that shows up? And can I also tell you that he's a God that may show up and it may not look like what you're expecting it to look like. But can I tell you that he's always on time? The Messiah comes. They've been waiting for him. Here he comes. What I understand of this, what I take away from this is that the Bible can be trusted. Can I tell you that if the Bible is true, the Bible is true, we understand it to be so because if he was, if he said, I'm going to have to do this to fulfill, that God is tied to his word, that he will never void his word, that whatever he says is true. His promises are, are yes and amen, that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass, that the flower fadeth and the grass withereth, but his word remains forever. His word is true. So when I look at the second thing is I look at a palm branch. Jesus, his disciples and his followers on Palm Sunday cheering with excitement. Their king had arrived. They could almost taste victory as he rode into town. And Matthew records this in verse, uh, chapter 21 and verse 8, a very large crowd. They spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The crowd, tell, the Bible tells us that the crowd waved these palm branches, was, which was a traditional symbol of victory. This is where we, we obviously get the name Palm Sunday. They spread their cloaks on the road for their new king as he had arrived. Finally, finally, the rescuer. 
Finally, the Messiah had come. He was going to overthrow the oppressors and set up the perfect kingdom for the Jews. But this crowd would soon discover that the king wasn't what they expected. He wasn't here to set up an earthly and political kingdom. No, he went above and beyond what the people imagined. He was a spiritual king, not an earthly one, and his victory would be the ultimate victory over sin and over death. It would be that there would be so much more than just freedom from the current oppressors, but it had so many more implications. It would be that victory that, that would restore all of creation and made a way for every person to have a relationship with him. He would throw off and defeat the oppression of their souls, not just the oppression of what they were facing at that time. There were many people who approved of Jesus, but there were many who did not. And there were some that were cheering and there were some that, that were not cheering. And can I tell you that it was the same crowd that, that said Hosanna that was yelling crucify him. On Friday. And can I tell you what I take away from this is that He is Lord at all times. And that we can't be Christians that one day, that one day say yes and that one day say no. That we have to stand for Him. Hallelujah. That we have to stand for Him and say, For God I'll live and for God I'll die. There were many who did not approve of Him. And some of these were the Pharisees and the other religious leaders who were threatened by Jesus' popularity. But no, none of them understood on that day the magnitude of what Jesus was preparing to do. And can I tell you that some of us in this place today can't fathom to imagine what Jesus is about to do in our lives. The disciples didn't get it. And John tells us this. In John 12 and 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So my question this morning is, what about you? What about me? What do you expect from Jesus this Easter? Are you prepared for his power and victory? in your life to go above and beyond those expectations. Can I tell you that the people had a mindset and they had, an, they had their expectations set on what it should look like, but Jesus surpassed them all. Can I tell you that he's a God that can surpass your expectations? Can I tell you, can I just build faith in this house today and let you know that we may be thinking right here, but he, he's way above that? Can we fix our eyes on, on the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think? And the final thing is this. The rocks. Palm Sunday is really a snapshot that represents all of Jesus' life. His love, his sacrifice. His commitment to a greater story, to God's ultimate work. So when he rode into Jerusalem that day, he didn't arrive in order to raise support 
or to gain approval. It was not a campaign rally. He didn't want to make sure that there were enough people that liked him. No, this wasn't his goal. And he knew what was coming. He knew what would take place. Only days later, the crowd would yell, crucify him. But yet it didn't change Jesus' purpose or his actions. Jesus' purpose was not dependent on human approval or praise. And Jesus made this clear as he recorded this in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 19, 37 through 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And watch what he says. He says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen rocks. And I've never seen rocks actually cry out. It seems impossible to the human mind, but that was just Jesus' point. The importance of that day wasn't about who sang praises. And who kept quiet? It was about all creation needing a Savior. It was about every single one of us who needed redemption. Every single one of us who was under the curse of sin and death. All of creation which would praise God when its creator was at work in such a significant way that it would lift the curse and make a way for restoration in the ultimate good that he originally created. Jesus' purpose was not to be liked by the majority of the people, but it was to offer the ultimate sacrifice his own life so that everyone and all of creation could worship him, could stand here in freedom and in truth, whether the people approved or disapproved, whether the people liked it or not, Jesus' purpose never changed. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad it didn't. It didn't waver it didn't matter that the same people that yelled Hosanna turned their backs on him. No, his, he was steadfast and he was determined to redeem us. It was above all understanding. And today, as I draw to a close, today we have the privilege of hindsight. We have the, the privilege to see what the disciples did not see. We here today know the end of the story. So can I challenge you to rise above your thinking? Can I challenge you to rise above what your expectation has been? To know that his ways are above our ways. To know that his ways are above and beyond our own ways. That when Jesus entered Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, and still today that his ways are above our ways. The word of, the, of Isaiah, the prophet, were appropriate then, and they're appropriate for us today. 
Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, he says, higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is no doubt that God is above and beyond in every way. There is no doubt, yet from above and beyond, God sent his son Jesus to earth in a way that we would have never imagined, a way that we would have never planned, or a way that we would have never chose. But Jesus came to us in humility. He lived among us in solidarity, and he sacrificed everything in obedience. The, perhaps the most well-known verse of Scripture tells us best that he so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus' life purpose was to bring God's love and life to the world. His love, it bridges the gap from our fallen state to where it was impossible for us to have a relationship with him. It was impossible for us to experience his fullness in our lives. It bridged the gap for us to be able to experience his presence the way we do. To know him. Paul wrote this. He said, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom. And confidence. So if you're wondering what this journey means for you, can I tell you don't miss God's invitation. Don't miss God's invitation and don't put limits on a God that knows no limits. Don't put human and fixed expectations on a God that surpasses you're thinking about surviving, but he's thinking about life in abundance for you. You're thinking about just making it to the next day, but yet he's seeing you thriving. He, our expectations at times can limit us from what he's truly doing in our lives. And if Palm Sunday is a reminder to us this morning that he can surpass. Don't miss God's invitation. What was once impossible because we were separated by God and, uh, from God by sin and death is now possible because of him, because of what he did. And because of that, we can respond as the writer of the Hebrews directed. He said, let us then, Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that you and I may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you in need here today? Maybe you have a situation in your life that hasn't been resolved. Maybe you have a family member that really needs God to step in in a way that is just supernatural. Maybe you're struggling 
in a relationship, maybe you're struggling within yourself, can I tell you that you can come confident, with confidence to him right now in your time of need. Can I tell you there's nothing that surprises him. There's nothing that throws him off. He doesn't look at you and say, well, I've never heard that one before. No, he sees you and he invites you and he says, you don't have to, he says, come to me if you're heavy burdened and if you're laden. He said, I will give you rest. Yeah, you sleep at night, but your mind is constantly going. He invites you, he invites us to come alive to his promises. But just as Jesus entered the city thousands of years ago, and he entered into the final stages of his work on earth, let's invite him into our hearts and lives with our eyes open and our hearts full of gratitude. Let his purpose of life, let his purpose of restoration, let his purpose of healing, let his purpose of a peace that surpasses all understanding be made alive in your life. Because you can read it, but it's one thing to read it and it's another thing to live it. And I want to invite you today that maybe you've been reading it but haven't been experiencing it. I've, can I tell you, he invites you today to say, experience it. Experience it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you today for your word that never returns void. I thank you for your word that brings life encouragement, healing, restoration. I thank you, God, that you can do anything. So right now, God, we take you at your word. If you said it, we believe that you'll do it. Forgive us, God, where we have lacked and where we have settled. God, today we want to embrace fully what you have for us. God, right now we're open to what you want to do. And we rid ourselves of what we've had as an expectation. God, right now, that we would come alive to your promise of life and life in abundance. Right now, God, it is us that stand in the need of prayer, that we, we need you. We need you to stand in the gap, and we need you to fill the void, and we need you to heal the areas of our lives that have been fragmented and destroyed, that you would do what you can do the, the way that you can only do. I thank you, God for what you're going to do in this next little while right now. I thank you that hope is being restored right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, 
If you're in this place today, and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and you've never opened up your heart, you're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt, we stop this service because you're that important. He is the God that will leave the 99 and he goes after the one. So he's chasing you right now with a relentless love, with a crazy love, with a love that surpasses your understanding. And he says, I love you regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you've said, regardless of where you've been. I love you and I want to make you new. And if that is you today, you, you say, I've never given my heart, my life to Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right right where you're at. You don't have to come to the front. You don't have to say anything. I see you. You're that important to him that he loves you just the way you are. So right now I invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for loving me when I was unlovable. I open my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everybody that received him today? Can we stand to our feet this morning?